South Ridge. Welcome. So glad that you're here this morning. Uh, my name is Pastor Jay. Honored to serve as executive pastor here and honored that you're here uh, for the beginning of our series, Standing Strong. Welcome. If it is your first time, it is not by accident that you're here. We believe that uh, God has a plan and that plan involves this moment right here and, and we're excited to be a part of that plan. So, um, uh, we want to. I just want to uh, pause for a moment and, and celebrate uh, a couple things. Uh, one in particular is that on our first Wednesday, this last Wednesday, we had four people baptized in water. So, <clears throat> really, really awesome. Great, great. Um, just uh, declarations of of what God is doing in people's lives, and our passion here is uh, we want to see people become fully devoted followers of Christ and experience what you kind of saw on that banner as you walked in, what it means to live life, what? Full. And so it was so, so cool hearing what God is doing. And um, I, I, I was just so worried because uh, the first person I baptized was Phil. And Phil, right here, our... our uh, He's our parking team. Let's give it up for our parking team. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, Pastor Troy, um, who's, who's recharging, our lead pastor, who's recharging, refocusing on a sabbatical right now. Troy's always good about reminding me. He's like, yeah, make sure they, they scoot to the front of the tank so you don't bump their head. Well, um, I forgot that just for one person. That would be Phil. So he had a little bit of a jarring experience as he was baptized, but uh, it wasn't too bad. No knots on his head. He, so, but it was a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, so uh, and I'm excited, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun to go through this series, Standing Strong, and our focus uh, for these really first three months of the year is this word strong. We did a series, Strong Foundation. If you miss that, you miss pieces of that, I encourage you to go online. You can listen. Um, and then for the next six weeks, we are going to go through Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20, okay, for the next six weeks. Just 10 verses, but really big verses with a really, really big idea on what it means to stand strong. And uh, um, just to kind of illustrate this a little bit, I was just thinking about different things um, with this idea and just really how to how to kick this off and illustrate what, what our heart is, and Pastor Troy and myself, as we were talking about this before he uh, went on sabbatical, and <clears throat> I had to think back to last Sunday uh, evening, and last Sunday evening, I was at Bounce U. Anybody go to Bounce U? Yeah, if you do, you have kids, I hope, otherwise it's kind of weird that you're going to Bounce U. <laughs> So I was there, and my, my daughter, Haven, uh, uh, she has a, a classmate that had a birthday party, and there was 30 kids there. I had to totally remind her. I was like, you can't have 30 kids at your birthday party. Uh, but um, I was sitting there. I actually took a, I, I took a book with me, and I was just reading. And, and then I look up, and I was like, I can't find her. She's not with her friends. And I look over, and there's a table for a, full of boys, and my daughter is over there arm wrestling with all these boys. 
I'm like, what is happening? So I kind of go over there to see what's happening. And, and uh, I, I, the first picture is uh, she, was, she was there um, getting beat by this uh, much older boy. And so I thought I'd have to step in. And then, and, <laughs> and then the boy who's smiling for the photo, I kind of felt bad because he didn't realize he was going to get smoked <laughs> in the picture below. But, you know, just in his defense, my daughter in another picture you can see has her elbow on top of his arm. And I'm like, that's a little illegal, but you know what? More power to you, girl. Uh, Only way these boys get to hold my daughter's hand is through arm wrestling. So, but you know, when I was thinking about this in each and every one of our lives, uh, we're kind of in this arm wrestling match. And across from us might be addiction, it might be depression, it might be our marriage. We're in this push and tug and this match, okay, in life with all these challenges. And each, every one of you has a different challenge in front of you that you face, And too often, as Christians, we think, we're wondering, can I win this thing? For some of you, you're like, I'm actually tired of losing. Every day, I feel like I'm losing. And here's the good news, though. God doesn't want you to lose. He doesn't intend for you to lose this match. Okay? And so we're going to walk through this together and look what it means to stand strong, to be strong in the Lord, which that brings us to our key text. And we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Power. Uh, this phrase, this, this verse here, this is a New Living Translation, but if you look in the original Greek, it actually says, in, his power, uh, of, in the power of his might. Okay, in the original Greek, in the power of his might. And I'm telling you this because power and might are two different words here that are kind of pulled apart in the Greek. And and the reason is is because might, okay, gives us this this picture of God as this big, strong man. You may watch every once in a while they have the world's strongest man competition where they're like picking up giant boulders and do okay. All right, God is the world's the universe's strongest, okay? It's this inherent strength of who he is. The power is that strength in action. And that is what he wants, is his power in action through us. Through us. That's his desire. And what this power looks like, we only need to go back to the first chapter. Paul, who wrote the book of Ephesians, uh, towards the latter part of the New Testament, we actually get another description, the same phrase is actually found in chapter 1, and it gives us a big, I mean, amazing picture of what this looks like. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 through 20, it says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. This is the same mighty power, same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Did you catch that? What kind of power we're talking about? The power that raised Jesus from the dead. Wow. That's the kind of power God wants for your life 
as you are in that struggle. That's what he wants to give you. So important for us to understand this, that this is the power that God wants to give us, supernatural power like nothing else. For us to experience that, though, uh, and you can follow along in your notes here in the handout. There's some notes that you can follow along with. We have to admit something. The first thing that we have to admit is this. I'm not strong enough to be everything I want to be in Christ. I'm not strong enough to be everything I want to be. I kind of I use this, this, uh, this line. kind of comes from a song that popped into my mind. It's a song by Matthew West. I'll read the lyrics just to kind of give him uh, props for this. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but this looks like more than I can do on my own. I know I'm not strong enough to be everything I'm supposed to be. I give up. That's out of Matthew West's song, Strong Enough. I know I'm not strong enough to be everything I'm supposed to be. I give up. We kind of have to get to this place where I give up trying to do this on my own because I'm tired of losing. I'm tired of having this feeling like this, I'm never going to win. On your own, that's exactly right. God wants to give you power, though. And the goal for this series is standing strong, but you can't do it on your, your own. You can't. Look at the person next to you and say, you can't do this on your own. You can't do it. <clears throat> it's time to give up trying to do it on our own. And not only do we have to admit that, that we can't, we also must embrace the only one who can help us. The only one. We have to embrace the greatness of God, the greatness of God's strength. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong fortress. The godly run to him and are safe. What a powerful image of his might. A strong fortress. Other translations say a strong tower. That's your God who created you, sent his son to die for you, and he's saying, run to me. A strong and mighty fortress. And we need a mighty, mighty fortress because we are in a battle. Make no mistake, you are in a battle. And I want to take a look at what Paul says about that battle and who we're up against and the strategies that your enemy uses. All we have to do is look at verse 11 of chapter 6 just to kind of get a better idea. It says, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. All strategies of the devil. When you step into a relationship with God, with Jesus Christ, it is an amazing, unforgettable, I mean, it is a day that you never forget, okay? Because number one, you now have a new friend, the best friend you could ever have in Jesus Christ. But here's the other thing. You now have a new foe. You now have a new enemy. Once you lock arms with, with God through a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're on the winning team. But the enemy looks at you and says, okay, we have somebody else we need to attack. We have somebody else we have to go after. That, that enemy is the devil. 
And the enemy's biggest hope is this. Not only does he want to destroy you, destroy your family, destroy, destroy the plans that God has for you. Here's the other thing. He actually wants you to not even know that he's there. He really wants you to forget that he even exists. Any uh, C.S. Lewis fans in here? Anybody like reading C.S. Lewis? <clears throat> If you read The Lion, The Witch, and The, and the Wardrobe, and that series uh, as a kid, C.S. Lewis has a lot of other great books that I encourage you to read, like Mere Christianity. Um, but there's one called The Screwtape Letters. And C.S. Lewis actually paints for us a picture of uh, a, two demons, one who's um, uh, like the uncle, and one's the nephew. And the uncle is writing letters to the nephew, instructing him how to attack a Christian, and one in particular. Here's, here's all the ways that you can attack a Christian. And I want to just, uh, right here, it says, there's this part in there, and it's letter number seven, I believe, where Wormwood, okay, instructs his nephew on how to conceal himself. It says, I do not think you will have much difficulty in keeping the patient in the dark, the fact that devils are predominantly comic figures in the modern imagination will help you. If any faint su suspicion of your existence begins to arise in his mind, suggest to him a picture of something in red tights and persuade him that since he cannot believe in that, it's an old textbook method of confusing them, he therefore cannot believe in you. The biggest mistake that you can make is to believe that the devil isn't there. Or that the devil doesn't have interest in attacking you. Make no mistake, he does. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy the God's plans for you. He's very serious about that. And he is real. When we look at the news and we see people that are driving trucks through people, Okay? We see that kind of stuff. We know that's evil. Something's behind that. But when you have a day when you are overwhelmed with depression, sometimes we don't connect the dots. He is one and the same. He is serious about, about attacking you in your life. So we have to be strong in the Lord because our enemy is a powerful enemy and will attack us. 1 Peter 5.8 actually describes the devil as a prowling lion. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We have to know that our enemy exists, but even important more important is to know how he will attack us. How will he do this? How will he attack our lives? And this brings us to that word strategies. Strategies. Right? And we're going to spend uh, the rest of our time here, uh, as I'm sharing with you, about this word, strategies or tactics. Okay? Uh, tonight is the Super Bowl. Right? Tonight's the Super Bowl. You got two teams that for two weeks have been preparing for one another. But, you know, as I started thinking about strategies, wouldn't it be just, just crazy if, if the Patriots somehow had the Falcons playbook? You know? 
If they had their playbook and they were like, they knew every single play. I mean, the Patriots wouldn't do anything like that. But what if, what if they had all those plays and they knew, man, oh, we see that formation. We know what that is because we looked in the playbook. Wouldn't that be crazy? Wouldn't that be crazy? You know, and I was thinking about that and uh, what if they knew what was coming? Even though the devil is powerful, he's not creative. We have a God who's creative, who's amazing. But there's nothing new in the devil's playbook. His strategies don't change. They just, they just have an updated look to them. So to expose them, let's look at an example of how these strategies were used in Scripture and actually how they failed. And we're going to take a look at when the devil tempted Jesus. Okay, So we actually have that story uh, in Luke chapter 4. And we're just going to go walk through this together, this, this story. And I'm going to share some observations. And then I'm going to give you some uh, some some application tips afterwards. So it says, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. Now, the context of this passage, it's always important when you're looking at Scripture, is to zoom out. Okay, and by that, you... Sometimes we can just read a little passage and, 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 you know, zoom in too much to where we don't realize actually what happened before was pretty important. What happened before is that Jesus had just been baptized in water. There's an amazing scene where John the Baptist was actually kind of passing the torch and he was baptizing Jesus. There was this incredible scene where a dove came down, ascended from heaven, this awesome experience and this launched the ministry of Jesus Big moment, big moment. And then afterwards, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. Using that time of solitude and fasting, preparing for the ministry ahead. A powerful moment and experience. This brings us to the first observation. When you experience a spiritual summit, the devil will likely give you a shove. When you're standing, when, when you have a moment, whether it's a moment here, okay, and maybe as you begin to reflect, think about the times where you walked out of Southridge or, or maybe uh, some other experience. Maybe you had a great devotional time. Man, I feel great. Maybe God answered a prayer of yours. And you begin to celebrate and you're telling your friends, God is so good. He's awesome. The devil's like, wow. It kind of reminds me of, you know, when we have these, these spiritual high points in our life of Rocky, right? Rocky, right? Remember Rocky goes up all those stairs, and he's like, yeah. If you remember Rocky Three, though, okay, Rocky Three, he's up there, and there's actually a statue of Rocky like this, and he's about to announce his retirement, you know, and everybody's gathering around, clapping, and then who shows up? Clubber Lane. He's like, man, I'm coming after you, fool. I pity the fool. I'm coming after you, you know. The enemy sees you at the point where you're like, yeah, me and God. 
We're best buds. This is great. And he's like, okay, we'll see. Gives you a little shove. And he comes after you at those moments. Because he knows if he gives you a hard enough shove, you'll fall pretty hard from that high point. We have to be ready for that. Realize that we're actually at a point of vulnerability when God is doing something really good in our life. Realizing on the other side of this, the enemy's going to come after me. He's going to try to let the, let, let the air out of the balloon here. Now, let's keep reading here. Luke chapter 4, verses 3 through 4, it says, Then the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone. Our enemy is subtle in his attempts to separate us from God. The goal of the devil's strategies is to separate you from God. Everything he's doing, he's trying to separate you from God. Any way that he can, he wants to separate you from that relationship you have with your heavenly father. Man is the very best of God's creations, and the devil wants to sift us. Jesus told Peter, he wants to sift you like wheat, separating you from God. Here the devil is tempting Jesus to separate the physical from the spiritual. He's saying, hey, you can go over here, have this bread, do what you want. Separating the physical from the spiritual. He wants Jesus to kind of compartmentalize his life. And that's what he wants you to do with yours. He wants you... To kind of have your church life and then my other life. That's what he wants you to do. He wants you to fall into that trap. You know, as long as I go to church, I'll read the Bible a couple times and I'll go do my thing. And in the middle of that, you go through that just a little while, you realize this ain't working. I don't feel very close to God. That's the point. Enemy's got you where he wants you. Compartmentalizing your life, the spiritual part of my life, and then there's the part of my life, my work life, you know, uh, my other parts of my life, my finances. I got that all, all taken care of. I don't really need to involve God with that. God wants you to surrender your whole life to him. Trust him with everything, everything, because when you do that, he can protect everything. He can lead you in everything. That's what he wants. <clears throat> Let's keep reading. Luke 4, verses 5 through 8, it says, Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I will give you, the devil says, I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them. The devil said, Because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. Jesus replied, the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Our enemy wants us to rationalize sin. That's what's happening here. He wants you to make sense of it, to make it seem like it's good for us in the moment. In the moment that it's happening. 
that right here in the moment, this would be so good for you. You would really enjoy this. It may sound like you deserve this. It may sound like it will make you happy, so it must be okay. Jesus knows that God has promised in this moment, Jesus knows God has promised that all will kneel before him at the end of time. This is before Jesus has died on the cross, conquered sin and death. Jesus knows the plan for his life on this earth at this moment. And he knows on the other side of it, all will worship him. And so he doesn't fall for this trap. Because he realizes the enemy is trying to give him a moment of temporary pleasure and trade it for eternity. That's what's happening. The devil's saying, at this time, right now, every, I, I can let you have everything. Everybody would worship you if you just worship me right here. But Jesus knows there's an eternal plan here. What the enemy wants you to do is trade. He wants you to take the easy way by sacrificing the eternal for the temporary. The eternal plans that he has for you, that you would be with him forever. That you would trade away all of that for just a moment or two. For moments of pleasure, personal gain, that's what he wants you to do. The enemy wants that. We can't fall for that trap. He knows, Jesus knows, whatever we worship, we will serve. Whatever we worship, we will serve. Jesus isn't going to worship the devil. We have to see these things for what they are, these tactics that the enemy will use. In Luke chapter 4, verses 9 through 12, <clears throat> this is the third attempt. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, He will order his angels to protect and guard you. And they will hold you up with their hands. So you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. The enemy takes one scripture and not even the whole scripture, pulls it out of its context and tries to twist that truth to dare Jesus. To dare Jesus to dare God. That's what was happening here. The enemy was isolating one, one little bit of scripture to tempt Jesus. And here's the thing. When you isolate a scripture from everything else, you can prove almost anything you want. The word of God is powerful, life-changing. But if you abuse it, if you just go after, like, I, I want to find out what can, can I do this? doesn't feel like I should, but actually I'm going to go search for the Bible and see if there's a way that I can justify my behavior. Be careful. Be careful. I could spend a lot of time on this, but I also want you to look at that one word, that word isolate. Isolate. The enemy wants to do that with you. 
He wants to do that with truth, but more than anything, he wants to isolate you. He knows if you are isolated from God's word, if you are isolated from community, if you are isolated from God's presence, then he is like that prowling lion that sees across the savannah. There's that little antelope all by himself. I want to get that one because there's no one to help him. That's what he's trying to do with you, with your heart, with your life, in your marriage, in your family. He wants to isolate you. We have to see these tactics for what they are. We have to learn. I want you to understand this, that in your journey with Christ, walking with Him, it should be a learning experience as you look back and you see the times that you've fallen, the times that you've fallen for the traps of the enemy. Look back. There's a pattern. There's a strategy the enemy's using against you. And we have to start recognizing it. It's a really important part of our relationship with God is that we would start connecting the dots. Um, I was thinking about this a couple weeks ago. uh, My wife and my son have been playing an old game of mine. It's called King's Court. Anybody know what this, anybody played this game before? Yeah, you have? Okay. It's a hard game to find. They don't make it anymore. It's a super checkers game, and my son loves it, so he's always wanting to play me or my wife, and my wife was beating him a lot, okay? And then I think she felt sorry a little bit, um, not as competitive, more sensitive than I would be. And so she actually shared with Jackson, like, here's the strategy I'm using to beat you. The next time they played, guess what happened? My son started winning. It's like, that's a good strategy. I'm going to use it. He started to learn. He was learning. He's like, okay, if she's going to use that, I'm going to use it against her. I'm going to use it before she can use it. We need to learn how the enemy is attacking us and be ready for it. Become, having our own strategy. If you reflect on your recent and past attacks, you'll find this common where, when, and how. There's a common thread. Even if you're thinking right now, think about the last time you had this not-so-good moment where you made a not-so-good choice. Think about where you were. Think about what was happening around you, your feelings. Here's the deal. The most common times when you will be tempted, when the enemy will attack you, are found in these times when you are alone, when you are tired, when you are angry or frustrated or depressed, feeling down. These are the times the enemy is like, ah, right where I want him. And we have to be ready. We have to be prepared, understanding this. I know for me, you know, just to be vulnerable, Monday's my day off. My wife's usually checking on me once or twice in the day. How you doing? 
how you feeling today? How's your day off going? Because she knows that sometimes my day off is like, oh, didn't go as well as I would like. I was just I was down on myself. I was just, just struggling. Each of you know those days and those times as you're starting to think about it right now. Those times when the enemy's coming after you. There's going to be a next time, though, and you can be ready. You can be ready for when, he, when it comes, when he attacks you. Check this out. The last verse of the story I just read you says, When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. There will be a next time. The enemy will come after you again and again and again. But God wants you to stand strong in his mighty power. He wants that for you. He wants you to know that you're not alone. It doesn't have to be this losing battle where you're like, okay, here we go again. That we can be ready. So, for the next time, how can we prepare for the next time? I want to give you three three tips here just just uh, kind of get you started on this plan as you begin to reflect about when the enemy is coming after you now how how can I be ready <clears throat> the first thing is to place God's word deep within your heart Jesus had scriptures locked and loaded Did you notice that each one is like Jesus is like uh yeah you said that but here's the truth Know the truth about what God has in store for you, the plan he has for your life. Have them locked and loaded. Have them written on your heart. I loved it. It was so cool on Wednesday night. Uh, I, don't, I don't think Ricky's here this service, but Ricky was getting baptized. Okay, Ricky works with our media team. And Ricky got up there, and he looked down, and on his hand was written 2 Corinthians 5.17 in a sharpie. And he was reading, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. And it was so cool because he was talking about my old life I can't even recognize anymore. And what I hope for him and for each and every one of you that you would understand that that, kind of, that truth would be written on your heart so that when the devil reminds you of your past, you can tell him about God's future for you. You have scriptures that you have uh, already in your mind. Maybe you, the, the ones that, that Jennifer or, or Troy or myself or somebody has shared. And you're like, I love that scripture. Begin to write it on your heart. On your heart. So that when the enemy comes after you, you're like, hey, remember this? Matthew 28, verse 20. Jesus said, I will be with you always until the very end. He's with me. I'm not alone. Have those scriptures locked and loaded, ready. Place the word of God deep within your heart. You can see there's a Psalm uh, 40, verse 8 in your notes there. That's a great one. Uh, number two, pray for the protection of the Holy Spirit. For the protection of the Holy Spirit. In the book of Daniel, Daniel cried out. And it's, and it's often thought it was Jesus that came to him and said, since you first started praying, somebody was being sent to you to help you. 
Begin praying the protection of the Holy Spirit over your home, over your kids, over your marriage, over your career, over your relationships. Pray for protection. God, protect us in the name of Jesus for the attack from the attacks of the enemy. Help me to be ready. Pray first. Oftentimes we're praying, we're crying out for help at the end after the attacks happen and man, you know, the enemy's already wreaked havoc. We're like, God, will you help me pick up the pieces? Let's switch this. Let's start the prayer before it happens. Begin praying for protection of the Holy Spirit over your home, your life, your family. And the last thing is this, prioritize time with your church family. In 1 Peter 5, 9, it's right after Peter talks about the devil is a roaring lion. He's prowling around, but this is what he says. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering as you. If you want to stand strong, stand together. Together. We talk about the growth track. We talk about life groups. We talk about these teams. We're talking about relationships because we don't want you to go it alone. We know that if you're out there walking this alone, it's only a matter of time before the enemy is pushing you farther and farther away from your God who loves you and wants you to stand strong wants you to know that he doesn't want you to lose. When I was thinking about this, uh, just as we're closing out, <clears throat> I was thinking about this uh, idea of standing strong. I was just meditating on it. and I had to think about uh, my lovely wife, Candace, who uh, about six years ago was uh, pregnant with our, our daughter, Haven. You saw and about 20 weeks along, and a, and a uh, car went over the center line after being rear-ended and right into the path of my wife. Head-on collision. And so thankful that uh, Haven and her were both okay, with the exception of her knee, which when she slammed on the brakes and with the impact, she tore her ACL. Well, the problem with that was she couldn't just go get operated. She had to wait until she gave birth to Haven. So for the next, how many months was it? Six months, including carrying Haven. And for the first six weeks of actually carrying her around and whatever, she was walking around on that torn ACL. I don't know how many times awesome wife she was just you know either limping around or I remember she was just getting up and I'd hear this short little prayer from her she said dear Jesus and the pain in her in her leg she said dear Jesus dear Jesus here's the deal through that time of pain and discouragement, each and every one of you, 
you are either experiencing physical, emotional uh, attacks. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's on your marriage. I encourage you to understand a very powerful truth. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. Whatever's going on, whatever you're facing, whatever's on the other side of that, that battle that you're in, dear Jesus, and you cry out to him, and he is strong enough to lift you up. Don't be mistaken. There is power in that name. Let's go to that name right now in prayer. Bow your heads for just a moment. <clears throat> God, I thank you so much that in this battle that we are in against the enemy that wants to destroy us, we know, Lord, that you are a strong fortress. You are a mighty God. With you on our side, we will not be defeated. I just really sense right now that there are people in here today that you are really tired of going it alone. And trust me, God's tired of watching you go it alone. He does not want you to go it alone anymore. Today, He wants you to begin locking arms with you, with Him, he wants you to stand strong. He doesn't want you to be weary anymore. He doesn't want you to feel weak anymore. He wants you to stand strong. If you're here today and you're just saying, I don't want to go it alone anymore. Today's the day. Whether it's for the first time, you want to say, Jesus... I don't want to walk through this life anymore by myself. Come into my heart right now. Or if you're saying, Jesus, I know who you are. And I'm tired of being separated from you week in and week out. Today that stops. I want to stand strong with you. right now just raise up your hands and that's me I'm one of those two things I'm tired of going alone or I just I'm just I just want Jesus in my life yes hands all over thank you so much Lord that we're not in this alone I pray for your presence to be oh so very real to the lives here this week that this week would be just this turning point. Just a turning point. And stop fighting the battle alone. Thank you for your protection. Thank you for your truth. Guard us, oh God, in this battle. In Jesus' name, amen.